Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Hey, welcome everybody to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. You can't have a business if you don't have sales. You can't generate sales if you don't have marketing. So you all know I absolutely love talking about everything marketing. And so does my guest. I have a wonderful guest for you today who is an expert at authority marketing. And we're going to hear all of his wisdom. Maybe he'll tell us a few case studies. Tell us some things that you can do in your own business today. So it is my pleasure to introduce you to Frank Hussman with Maxiality. So Frank, welcome to the program. Thank you, Allison. Really great to be here. Thanks. So I gave you a little bit of a buildup. So tell everybody, you know, there's all these different kinds of marketing agencies. Everybody specializes in different things, but tell us a little about Maxiality. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, we're specializing in, in authority marketing for B2B SaaS companies. So especially tech companies that deliver software as a service. And uh, we've been doing it for quite a while, actually. And I'm an ex-SaaS founder, so I kind of know how the arena looks like. And uh, the thing about authority marketing is that we want to build... Uh, it's really hard to sell software. Well, it's hard to sell anything B2B most of the time, actually. Mm-hmm. But uh, software, you can't, really, you can't really grab it or, you know, it's not something you put in a box. And the thing with that is you really have to show, don't tell. And what we're doing with authority marketing is, is building authority. And at the end, hopefully, it will be some thought leadership that we're creating. And that way, people will uh, always go to that same brand because they have heard so much about it, seen so much about it. So that's, uh, in a nutshell, what we're doing. Yeah. Well, and Frank, I'm a huge believer. I say this all the time when I when I speak and coach. It's how do you become the, the, the partner of choice before anybody even shakes your hand, right? Before anybody's even met you. So it's about door opening. Um, I want to get right into it. Can you give us a couple examples or of a case study or a client that came to you and maybe some of these tools or things that you employed? Yeah. So what, what we're basically doing is... Um... One of the things that we did for a couple of SaaS companies uh, in, in Europe, actually, that we're working for, and what we what they did is, first of the things that we do is we, we talk to the founders, because the founders are the ones that created the company, right, and created the brand. And I've seen we're, the two different flows, basically. One of them is that the people have got a great product, and that it can sell itself, but it never does, right? And they're so focused on the product and all the features, and, they're, and well, they're so focused on it. And there's another company, another SaaS company, that is really telling about their journey, right? The things that they've seen, the things that they noted with their clients. So if you compare these two, the ones that are always flying high are the ones that are really showing the whole process, what's going on in the kitchen. And basically what we've been doing is just documenting that for yeah, for companies. And what the result uh, most of the time is that it, it will shorten sales cycles because, Alison, like you mentioned before, people will know that, they have when they have a problem, they think about that brand, right? That's been telling everything about it, sharing every story, every problem that they have they have seen from their clients, and um, and that way they will be the first choice. And that's basically what what we're what we're doing. And and as as a case study, like I mentioned, what we've done in about six to nine months is shorten sales cycles. Uh, that's one. And the second is that 
if you're doing this, there will be a constant stream of uh, new leads coming in instead of just uh, you know the, the the feast and famine or when whenever you you pull out of advertising, then nothing happens anymore. So these are some concrete results that we've seen. Yeah, I think you know how often do we go and research tech companies or if the you know it's like did the engineers write this copy? Does this? And I've gone, because I research a lot of people for this podcast, and so I've looked at so many websites and so many um, CEOs, personal LinkedIn profiles or their personal speaker profiles, and you want to say to them sometimes, like, this is a beautiful website. I don't really know what you do and how you're going to take away my pain. Like, it's it still comes down to very basic things, right? People buy because you're going to take away their pain. Are you going to solve yeah. a very important problem? Yes, that that's basically it, right? But when when you turn it around, that uh, someone on C level says, just especially when marketeers are just order takers, then they go, okay, we create another brochure, we'll create another something for a roadshow, we'll create. Oh, so there's a new feature. Let's put something up on the website. Let's write a blog about. It. Let's interview an engineer or whatever. But if they're doing it right, they should interview the clients and they and know or the, the prospects, right? And or the people that have bought and know what their problems are and talk about that a lot more. And if you do that in a in a way that resonates with someone, then and just so write or say it in the way that someone would search for it or talk about it, well, then you're a lot of steps. Um, uh, you, then you'll really win in the in the in the in, at the end when you look for for a solution to the problem. And yeah, I I mean I've seen so many, especially I think. Tech brands kind of know sort of how to do that at some point. Um, but I see so many B2B uh, sites that still don't really, I mean, you have to look up pricing and it, there's no pricing page, right? <laughs> so you have to make an appointment. <laughs> have you ever seen that? All the time. And I don't right. want to make an appointment. I want you to feed me and make me hungry enough so that then I'll want to make an appointment. But if you can't show me a one, even a one minute like demo video or something that feeds me, um, especially today, right? Like we live yeah. in a society where I don't even, people don't even want to walk up and ring a doorbell. So <laughs> if, if you can't feed me a little more on the, on the website, it's a, it's a problem. Hey, I, I, I always think about this when I talk to people who are in a position of being these expert consultants. What happens when you know you they hire you as an expert consultant and you want to give them this wisdom and pull them and take them on this journey? Do you ever have clients that are like, oh yeah, no, no, Frank, I I'm we we want to pay you. We want your expertise, but we actually know more than you. <laughs> we actually know more than you really oh, that's a great question i've never experienced this in my life which sounds a bit cocky to me maybe but uh what now i think there are so many filters in place especially nowadays and and what are these filters i i mean i i also show and 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 don't tell right so i communicate on on all kinds of ways about what the problems i'm solving for my clients and well, being on a podcast is one, of course, but also on on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on, on on blogs and whatnot, guest blogs and 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 ads, of course, as well. But I mean, so that's one part of it. And then when people get drawn to our services, then they already know what they can expect, more or less. Of course, they there's some sort of selection criteria as well. So there there, I have to say, there's not really a mismatch in that way. 
And if you turn that around and think about all these B2B companies out there, sometimes they're like, okay, so we need leads. So they're to get sales to call or buy a list or send emails, you know, um, or they advertise more and, or they create a white paper or whatever. And they're going to call all those leads that have downloaded the white paper, which is of course, I don't know, it might sound good, but if you've done a couple of steps before that, people will get to you and know if it's a fit already and they will not waste time from uh, sales reps or whatever people you got, um, account executives uh, or whose valuable time they're going to waste. Um, so it, of course, there's always going to be one or 2% or three or four. That's not a fit. But if you really communicate in a way, like we actually talked before, like if you only put up a pricing page, you already know if it's a fit or not. So you won't waste any time. So it's a bit of a long answer. And I hope it makes sense. No, it makes sense. I, I think, right, it's just as important to kind of get the nose out and the mismatch out sooner in the process. So I think that makes complete sense. Let's talk a little bit about um, when it comes to authority marketing and, and content marketing. I mean, this isn't necessarily new, but the trends and things do change. So what are some of your observations and trends these days um, that you're advising your clients on? And, and for our listeners, can you give us a range of, of roughly kind of where your clients are located in, in the world? Yeah, I'm working most of the time with European SaaS companies. Um, um, half of them are founded by European VCs and maybe some outside uh, from US, of course. Um, and they're uh, marketing to US, but also Europe. So that's basically the, the range. And the thing with, is that uh, coming, I mean, it, America is such, a, United States is such a big market, right? And you, you can say that from Europe as well, but every country has its own flavor. So it's really every country is another separate thing. So that's interesting. Not even the language barriers, regulation stuff. It's interesting. Uh, but back to your question about trends and stuff. Um, so when I had my own SaaS, um, I we used to do a lot of content marketing. And content marketing in the past used to be uh, create a lot of content about the problems that your clients are facing and, and share that content on channels that your clients are active on. This is still great advice, right? But the first, but one of the things that's that's different, right? Uh, now nowadays is that there are many more challenge, uh, channels that mm-hmm. people will look for, and we've got dark social as well. Dark social is just you and me sending a message on LinkedIn, for example. I could ask you for a good recommendation for a CRM system for agencies, for example, um, and that's not really measurable. Um, and the other thing is that so content marketing it used to work. Um, by creating the content, like I mentioned before, and guest blogging. So creating other, uh, using other audience, basically. Uh, That used to work really well. Uh, It can work um, today, but when I see the whole change that's been going on is that, um, well, first of all, Google isn't that dominant anymore in the customer journey. Um, Because like I mentioned before, I can ask it on on a Slack channel on LinkedIn. Uh, for example, we could be in a Facebook Facebook group, or so many other ways to get to information. Um, there are even comparison websites for SaaS, for example, uh, that people will go to first before they even go to Google. Uh, so the whole journey has been changed a lot. And before they even trial a software or do a demo, the customer or the prospect, I mean, already knows so many things about it uh, because they've seen podcasts, YouTube videos, LinkedIn content, whatever, you know, and, um, and this content used to, 
it used to be there before, but not in a multimedia way. And it's been a lot easier to create it as well. Um, so yeah, that's maybe what I've, what I've been seeing is um, a shift from just publishing blogs, basically. That's what it used to be. Uh, not even five, six years ago to creating multimedia content on multiple channels where your ideal client profile is. That's the gist of it. Yeah, and I think I, I think of it this way, that we've moved from the world of blogs to like 10 second content, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, shorts. Yeah, it's all it's all shorts because, um, and which isn't always right, right? The consumer's not always right that you're going to get everything you need to know in, in 10 second bites. No, 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 no. It's gotten, I think, more challenging. So that leads me to to talk about the kind of conversations you have with your customers about their marketing dollar, right? Because, you know, we all are big believers in performance marketing. Like if I pay that dollar out, I need to know what I'm, what I'm going to get back or what it's going to get me. But yep. to your point, if you're talking about um, like Slack channels, you're right. I, aside from LinkedIn and all these other things, I have three Slack channels for different like industry associations that are very active. That's just Slack. That isn't even those association private platforms. So um, how are you approaching or working with your clients some on, on these choices of their marketing dollars? Because as you said, it's so diverse, so many places you can go. Yeah, true. Yeah, so uh, maybe I think it's that question can be in two parts. I, I, one thing I'd like to uh, talk about as well as, as, as trends is that um, in the past, we used to advertise in a way that we created a white paper, we got 100 leads, and there would be two or three people that would be interesting to talk to, right? So that's lead generation that we've that most marketeers have been doing in, in B2B. Uh, get me more leads. And the thing is that they would be they would have a target as well, how many leads they created. And I, it makes no sense if you think about it right now, because in at the end of the day, we want sales, right? So they, they would create another white paper or another brochure or whatever, or an ebook. And uh, it, it is all, I don't know, six blocks or three blocks pasted together with a nice cover, put it on LinkedIn <laughs> or Google ads or use some retargeting. And at some point people will, okay, they've been nagging me so much about this white paper. <laughs> okay, let's go. And I'll put my email address in there. People will get stalked by um, some nurture flow from emails they even get calls. They will get tagged on LinkedIn or invited from some salesperson. So this is what um, has been going on in the past and still a lot of B2B companies doing right now. And it's all lead generation. And another shift that's been happening um, is the whole shift to demand generation. And basically it is spending your money on the, the people that are not yet in the market for your solution. Um, and I think what we're doing with our agency is also demand generation by, by by using authority marketing, just showing that you're there, telling stories about what's going on inside your company. How did you do it uh, from a founder's perspective, by the way? Um, so th that's more or less an answer to your question. So there's a whole shift to uh, focusing on demand generation, not so much in lead generation. Of course, we need to capture leads. That's still really important. Mm -hmm. We definitely should still advertise, but it should be not so much gated, not so many trashy white papers that makes no sense. And don't stalk your prospects, just really give them information. And if we all go back in time, I think 
uh, it was maybe eight years ago, the whole content marketing blitz was just going on. And everyone was saying in the whole B2B marketing space, make sure you're going to be a publisher. Every company will become a pl publisher. Well, it, it was kind of ruined by a lot of B2B marketers by making this crappy content. Um, that's one. <laughs> well, and, yeah, and I think it's it's getting ruined more with how much people can use AI tools. And as you said, oh, you said put out crappy crappy content. Um, I also see in the world that I, I live in and, and focus on, you know, it's really, we're really in a, a generation of the rise, I'm going to say of the human CEO for a lot of these B2B companies that yes. um, I talk to a, a lot of, a lot of people and it's, it's delightful to also watch the evolution of the CEO because people don't want to buy from companies anymore. They want to buy from no. human beings that they think that they, they know, and they know enough that it lends itself some degree of trust. So yeah. are, are you seeing that as, as well, that the, the, it, and it doesn't have to be the CEO, right? It could be no. the CTO or it could be somebody, but if somebody in that C-suite yeah. needs to kind of, you know, needs to take on that, I don't want to say ownership or relationship, but that kind of social media presence, that's not just the marketing department, but it's a right. human a human face. So are you seeing a lot more of that as well? Yeah, I think that the, the companies that I see that are growing and are, are still growing, th those are the ones that really get this. There's always someone from C-level or a subject matter expert, like a consultant, uh, if it's a smaller company that is everywhere and already telling a lot about it and you just need to help that person. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think personally, that's the only way to go um, because I mean, with all AI is just a tool and it's great to use it if you do it well, but if everyone is going to create even more crappy content with AI, <laughs> there's going to be a great shift to uh, being more human. And I think that's not only a shift uh, for in, in, in marketing, but I, I think this might, might sound a bit corny, but in the world, let's yeah. see if we can be more like humans, communicate like humans from person to person, from heart to heart. Um, and it might sound weird coming from a marketer, right? But at the end of the day, like Alison, you already mentioned it, we're buying uh, products or services from people and we want to be associated with uh, persons and companies that might have a bit of the same values, right? Might have people that we can relate to. And, you know, if, and if we see a face, then that we more or less trust, right? With yeah. not only our money, but also our time and whatever it, the services that they're, they're providing, then that person or company will win in the end. Yeah. I'm, I'm I think we've seen it, and I know you have this background uh, as well in the in the travel industry and the hospitality industry. I think things that we've seen that industry apply forever, right? Because um, you think about destinations and destination marketing, and and yeah. they all have representatives that get out, but they become like you think of, oh, there's Carol, Carol, oh, Carol works for San Diego. I know that. And whenever I see Carol, I have warm thoughts about San Diego. Like the, the travel and hospitality industry has been doing these things forever. I think yeah. these are evolutions we will see going to the technology space is you have to yeah. have these kind of C-suite celebrities. Um, yeah. And, but it's, 
it's not about uh, celebrity in the way that we think of no. the word celebrity. It's like you said, it's it's about honesty, likability, and trust. And hey, I'm going to remember you when the Slack channel is saying who who do I go to for for this. Yeah, yeah, it's basically thought leadership inside of a, an industry, and that industry can be so small it doesn't really matter but you you'll be like a celebrity or something like that in that specific industry yeah. um yeah for sure hey you have founded other companies and you founded this companies what are some of your um advice that you give to other founders that you mentor that you encounter like in terms of uh tough spots or things to watch out for or, or lessons on on growth yeah, I think with every company that that I've started and and also the companies that I've seen, I, I think I mentioned before, is just document what you're doing and not in a way that I, that whenever you go to Starbucks, make a, a screenshot or make a photo of what you're drinking, right? That's not what I'm talking about, but just share what you're going through and not your PL or I mean, if you want to, I mean, that's a whole <laughs> build in public. It's also what some people are doing, but just share your journey. That's basically what I'm trying to say. And your journey is also the things that you're you're learning because when you're with your only a small team, you got hiring problems, you got product problems, you got marketing problems, you got sales problems, or you know, there's all these things that are coming up. Then you want to raise some money, maybe funding, how to get a VC. These are all things that people are interested in and just share about that journey. And if you're not good at writing, just use video. Uh, that's probably one of the, I mean, we talked about shorts, just create a sh short videos, right? That will work for LinkedIn or YouTube shorts, uh, paste a couple of them after each other. You'll have an interesting video, probably about the same subject that you can also use as a long form content. So, I mean, if you document it, then you will be more interesting as a company compared to other companies who don't really do it from the get go. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I'm 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 writing down. I always take notes as I do these interviews, and I I think you're right. I mean, it's the, you know, more interesting, right? I I also think we live in such a stressful world, and and what those things that you just listed and described are are so stressful. Like you you start. I talk to all these founders, and I'm like, sometimes yeah, it's like, why 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 is everybody, you know, doing all of this and being a business leader today. It requires so much more of us that you're right. I want to surround myself with people that are more interesting and people that can bring a little bright spot to my day. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter what that service is. So I think sure. that that is a key. And I think that's like the heart of authority marketing too. True. And maybe to add on, on the, on documenting things that you're going through also, talk to clients as soon as possible. I've met so many founders as well. And I think I made a mistake in the past as well. It's just close all the curtains and the doors and then just tinker away, <laughs> create something. And then in, I don't know, six months or so, you'll open the curtains, you'll go outside and people say, hmm, it's really interesting, but uh, <laughs> what's this? So, and um, okay, but even if you go to the point where you've got a, a good business that, that's running and you're making money and you can invest in, into things, it's still so important to uh, to talk to customers. I mean, yeah, that I, that I think that's maybe even the number one advice I would give anyone because it can be so easy to just think that this is what they need, but 
at the end of the day, maybe they really need something else because you're trying to solve a problem. That's basically what we're doing as, as entrepreneurs. We're, we're trying to solve a problem. And if we know what the problem is, we do it in a great way and it's affordable for the market that you're targeting and you've built some trust as well by being there, showing what you're doing, then it's going to be okay, <laughs> I so think. Chris, I, I want to kind of, as we come up on our time, ask yeah. you um, what podcasts you're listening to, books you're reading or where you're going for um, inspiration today in your world. Yeah, YouTube. That's pretty interesting, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I just follow a couple of uh, Alex Ramosi's, one of them. You might have heard of him, right? I have uh, one of Alex's books. Yep. Yeah, I think a lot of people do, right? So uh, <laughs> there are so Alex many great money out of my pocket. What do you <laughs> <laughs> But he's not trying to sell anything. So, I know right? he's not. He just says, but, um... yeah. No, but yeah, YouTube is, uh, yeah, I like reading books, but I now, nowadays I just read them for pleasure most of the time. And, uh, and because, I mean, like you mentioned before, things are changing really quickly and there are many great podcasts out there on, on, on YouTube to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Frank. Hey, I always say to my listeners, you never know where your next great business partner is going to come from or where you need that, um, intelligence. And so, I bring people on my show that I think everybody should add to their LinkedIn network. So Frank, if people want to connect with you, where should they go and what should they do? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, this uh, maxiality.com is one, but also on LinkedIn, just uh, search for Frank Hussman and uh, I'll be there. Yeah, thanks. Frank, thank you again for being a guest. Thank you for having me, Allison. It's a pleasure. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>